0: The Writer Files, a member of the Podglomerate Network. Greetings, scribes. I have got some exciting news to share. The Writer Files now has an exclusive Patreon community where subscribers will get exclusive access to uncut ad-free interviews, a writer's happy hour, bonus breakdowns, and content from productivity and publishing experts each month. In the meantime, just head over to Patreon.com slash The It's free to join Patreon to get a preview and you can upgrade anytime. That's Patreon.com slash The Writer Files. Help us start something special.
1: but my work-life balance was unhealthy which I realized after my mom passed away really sort of tragically and I had to keep working through it which was just almost impossible and I reached a point where I had I had just had enough. I had gotten all these accolades. Um, I was paid very little. I was denied promotion after promotion. And I very publicly sort of quit. And when I quit, there was a little bit of a movement in publishing a lot of, I think it, they, the journalists call it the great publishing resignation.
0: And welcome back to The Writer Files. I am still your humble host, Kelton Reed, wishing you pages, patience, and perseverance per usual. Critically acclaimed debut novelist, Molly McGee, spoke with me about the best day of her life, her part in the great publishing resignation, losing a parent, and her first book, Jonathan Abernathy, You Are Kind. Molly writes fiction and essays and taught in the undergrad creative writing department at Columbia University, where she also graduated an MFA in fiction. Her debut novel is Jonathan Abernathy, You Are Kind, described by the New York Times as a story about debt laden citizens who are recruited to audit others' dreams, all in the name of productivity. In a starred review, Booklist said of the book, a superlative state of the nation novel like no other, full of astoundingly resonant and eminently quotable points about labor, capital, and depression. This wondrous literary creation brilliantly captures the excessive demands of contemporary work. Molly has worked in the editorial departments at McSweeney's The Believer, Farrar, Strauss, and Giroux, and helped launch a horror imprint at Tor. Her work has appeared in the Paris Review, Lithub, and others. In this file, Molly and I discussed her past life as a New York Times bestselling editor, using writing as a coping mechanism for grief the nightmare that became a book, why she thinks of herself as a reader first, learning how to give yourself grace, the importance of authenticity and vulnerability in your writing, and a lot more. Stay calm and write on. And don't forget, you can always support this show by heading to writerfiles.fm where you can also sign up for email updates and other resources for writers. And if you're a fan of The Writer Files, please click follow follow to automatically see new interviews in your podcatcher as soon as they're published, and drop us a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you tune in to help other writers find us. Okay, we are back on The Writer Files. I am honored today to be joined by an esteemed guest. We've got acclaimed debut novelist, Molly McGee is hanging out. What is happening over there?
1: Hey, I just got done with my book launch last night. It was kind of crazy. <laughs> are, you, are you
0: Are you reeling from the uh, festivities?
1: Like I am. I was like, oh my God, is this the best day of my life? And it was. <laughs>
0: That's awesome. Yeah, so this is the start of a, a whirlwind world tour. Uh, what's, yeah, what's the vibe other than the best? You just had the best night of your life, I tell you?
1: Uh, yeah, it did feel that way. So <laughs> I, I hope that I can do that again sometime. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, how do you top that? <laughs> how
1: do you top that? I don't know. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm going on tour. I'm really excited to chat with people across hashtag America. So. <laughs> <laughs>
0: well, congrats on the reception of your debut novel. It's got to feel pretty good. Um, I can't wait to talk about Jonathan Abernathy, you are kind. Of course, get into that. But I'd love to talk a little bit about your superhero origins and kind of this really interesting life that you have led up to this point and the apex that, that we find you at. But
1: yeah,
0: <laughs> let's talk about...
1: Uh, yeah, I Halton, mean, we just met, but sure. <laughs> sure. Sure, we can call my life superhero origins. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, yeah, no, I can't wait to talk about... Your time at Columbia, and of course, the time that you've spent working um, in editorial departments. Take us back a little bit and talk about kind of this interesting path.
1: Um, so, I grew up in Tennessee. Um, I'm southern, and I somehow ended up sort of going to college in Vermont. And while I was there, I was introduced sort of to the idea of publishing, and I started working at a place called McSweeney's. I had to be really annoying to get the job. I was like, hey, please let me sweep your bathrooms. I'll (laughs) do anything, you know? (laughs) Uh, But in the end, I ended up out there and I was very lucky. Nobody on the team liked the internet and I happened to like the internet a lot. So I sort of found a a niche for myself. Um, From there, I... Went to, um, gosh, wow, it's kind of hard to like put your life into comic book format. (laughs) (laughs) But I went, I ended up uh, taking a year off after graduating, writing a book. And my boss at the time at McSweeney's was like, you're wasting your life. (laughs) And I was like, damn, okay, Andy, that's a little intense, but sure. And she was like, you are like a very talented writer, and you need to take it seriously. And I was like, Oh, that's really nice of you to say. Um, And she talked me into going to Columbia, where I got to study with folks like Alex Kleeman and Ben Marcus. While I was there, I worked at another publishing place called FSG. And I taught in the undergraduate department. From there, this is kind of crazy. I'm like, what did did I do all this? (laughs) But um, (laughs) from there, I ended up at sort of I graduated right before COVID happened. And I was really lucky. I got a publishing assistant job at Tor. And that's where I was working during the pandemic. I got to release some really cool books. I became a New York Times bestselling editor. But my work-life balance was unhealthy, which I realized after my mom passed away, really sort of tragically. And I had to keep working through it, which was just almost impossible. And I reached a point where I had, I had just had enough. I had gotten all these accolades. Um, I was paid very little. I was denied promotion after promotion. And I very publicly sort of quit. And when I quit, there was a little bit of a movement in publishing a lot. of, I think the journalists call it the great publishing resignation. Uh, But it was a lot of young women who were basically like, hey, these these jobs are unlivable. How much we get paid and how intense our work week is. It's like we're working 70 hours and, you know, we're forced to live in New York. Uh, And we just can't afford it with the pay grade that we're at. Now, during all this, I had been kind of struggling. And one of the ways that I cope is through writing. Um, I've always loved to write. And I was working on a book that sort of was an amalgamation of all these really intense feelings that I had been having around Working and living. One of the reasons I started writing the book is because I had these, I was having these really intense nightmares. And in my nightmares, there was this lanky guy who was in a a lot of debt and would end up going into sort of the dreams of other people and cleaning them up. Uh, And I was having this nightmare over and over again until I started writing it down. And once I started writing it down, um, I sort of became free of the night terrors Uh, and it became this book. And now here we are talking, which is, uh, frankly insane. So not to give you the, uh, sort of long and the short of it, but it's been a very strange path.
0: Yeah. It's super, super interesting. Yeah. It kind of, it's a little, uh, unbelievable. But it I mean, it makes sense that, of course, you were, you know, grieving uh, a serious loss. And of course, some um, serious condolences about the loss of your Thank you. parent, because losing a parent is one of the hardest things, I think, to go through. But it's also kind of a, a moment of reflection, right?
1: it's just awful i i don't know what it is but i i know i'm gonna have to go through it again eventually and i just hope that i don't have to um yeah i guess a moment of reflection i don't know my grief was uh uncontainable and it it really just um completely changed my perspective on everything
0: yeah um yeah and it'll do that for sure um I'm almost in that as someone who's lost a father many years ago. Oh, I'm so um, sorry. And and no, but it, it is it is also kind of a moment of relief too sometimes because uh you know, he was just someone who had gone had experienced quite a bit of pain and had suffered yeah. Um,
1: yeah.
0: With, with an My illness. My mom
1: suffered. Yeah. It's it's really hard to watch someone you love suffer.
0: Help us start something cool and special. Keep calm and right on.
1: Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? (sighs) Well, that's why they're introducing an all new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. I know it was years ago, but this is the thing is it doesn't, it doesn't always, it always feels kind of present, doesn't it? It never really goes away all the way. Um, You just kind of get better at privatizing it, I think. Yeah. Holding it with you as you move through life.
0: For sure, and and losing a loved one is something that kind of just um, sears a hole in you. But uh, you know, some some great writers and artists and authors have you know spoken about how it can lend to a depth or richness in in the artistic work that that you know maybe once wasn't accessible, um, which is which is unfortunate.
1: <laughs> For me, it's hard to to think about. The um, sort of good parts about it, so I might not be—I mm. might not get mm. the best <laughs> answers in terms of um, creative process. Because, okay, hey, I'm gonna be totally honest. I'm still bitter as hell. I'm kind of mm. mad. I'm <laughs> like, I wish my mom was alive. Sure. You know, I would trade my um, fucking book for that any day of the week. But you know, I think um, that's something that I'm—I'm I'm trying to get to a point where I can feel. Grateful, and that's like a journey I'm on right now. Ugh, I'm getting, I'm getting worked I'm up. So <laughs> I'm like, well, kind of sad. We're here to talk <laughs> about <laughs> this
0: fantastic book, and and of course, um, thank you for sharing and being honest about your journey and your path. Because um, of course, John, Jonathan Abernathy, you are kind, has had a, a great outpouring. Um, your peers have come out of the woodworks to to praise it. Some really amazing things have been said about this. Fantastic book. And I want to hear you talk a little bit more about it, of course, and not to gloss over the, uh, the heavy stuff because that's equally important. But yeah, uh, I'll, I'll read it. I'll just read a couple of blurbs. And well, I thought, <laughs> no. I thought it was cool that in a book list, started views that, that uh, had said or had called it a superlative state of the nation novel, like no other, full of astoundingly resonant and eminently quotable points about labor, capital and depression, This wondrous literary creation brilliantly captures the excessive demands of contemporary work. And of course, you know, I mean, some of the bigger themes that we're talking about here, this, the relentless crushing weight of debt, which you know, so many yeah. of us uh, have experienced in our lives or are currently so experiencing, you know, this is us. not something that goes away. Uh,
1: yeah, not me, you know. <laughs> yes, for real. It just, just, there's so many elements that just make it hard to exist. You know, we're all out here trying our best. And the thing is, it's it's just, a, it's to me, it's amazing that we are all able to, to choose to keep going the next day just because life is really hard and it so much of our sort of existence as americans is, is trial by fire you mm-hmm. know mm-hmm. and i really wanted to write about that i was seeing my friends you know like over and over again do at their best right and just like everything being put sort of against them every obstacle and i really wanted to sort of examine that system and what it might do to a person
0: for sure and again congrats uh (laughs) debut novel for the modern working stiff (laughs) of course you know i mean you you have followed in the footsteps of some um obviously some great writers who have gone down this path but but from your perspective um to write about this uh really really kind of you know i mean it's been called s- so many interesting things like a sci-fi novel that scrapes the workforce of human suffering um i thought it was great the new york times <laughs> had said that um of course you know there's an element mm. of, of the absurd there's an element of horror here did did your time mm. at Tor have any it, you know like did it I don't know did it awaken something uh, in you but of course you know you, you're you're a student of the craft and you you've studied some some great greats mm.
1: I think of myself as a reader first, and I just love to read and I love to read everything um I'm not necessarily uh hey, I'll say it I'm not always like. I'm not really a snob about it. You know what I mean? If a book is good, a book is good. Now, that could be for me, like, war and peace. But hey, it could also be carried by Stephen King. That (laughs) shit slaps. So, (laughs) um, you know, you get a different thing out of each of those texts when you read them. And neither of the things that you get is, is better necessarily than the other. They're just sort of different flavors of experience. And when I was writing, you know, I always had a little bit of a hard time with this sort of like intense marketing categories that we're working under today. Like, if Frankenstein came out today, they would market that shit as like just a hard sci fi novel. But it's, Mm. you know, it's sci fi wasn't really as a genre invented until like the 1960s. So I just really wanted to write a book that I would enjoy reading and I tried not to discriminate when it came to techniques something that I really love about books are when they feel propulsive and immersive so I love that feeling where twists happen right and your entire perspective is changed but I also love books that where they take the language really seriously and they grapple with um, really heavy topics. So really all I was doing was I was just writing a book that I really need to needed to read at the time mm, uh-huh. you know I, I just love reading so much and I just when I was writing it I was like I gotta finish this because I uh-huh. need to read it <laughs> you know I need to um, sit quietly for several hours and think alongside someone through a story where I can sort of process some of these bigger things that I'm dealing with. And I need a little bit of, um, Hey, you know, like the feelings are really intense for me. And I needed a little bit of pain relief in terms of humor and story and characters. And I wanted people to fall in love, you know, (laughs) that's like how life works. That's how all the good books work. So I, I was a little, hey, I'll, I'll be honest. I was like, if I like a technique, I'm going to use it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care if it's, you know, uh, from a, I saw it for the first time in a mass market paperback that I got for 25 <laughs> cents, you know, or if it's like um, one of the novels of the year where the entire 500 pages is one sentence, um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, It's like, I like both. So I really just wanted to write a book that I would like. And Mm. I think I've I've done that. I think I've um, done that. Now, whether you're going to like it or not, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I I hope you do, but that's not up to me.
0: Yeah, I mean, you said it, like, good artists borrow, great artists steal, and, um, and, I, and I, I'm not saying that you, you've stolen anything by any means. This seems like a completely original um, entry, and yeah, I mean, I thought it was really interesting. It did It did remind me of the streaming series Severance which I love mm, very much. I
1: haven't seen that one. I it's very interesting,
0: it. but only, only it said, and Litheb had mentioned this, that it is the spiritual sibling of severance and, um, but creepier, which is kind of a, a great compliment because severance is pretty creepy. <laughs> but yeah, check it out. I think you'll enjoy it.
1: When I was at Tor, I helped launch uh, their horror imprint and it was one of the first horror imprints to sort of, be launched by a big five since the heyday in the uh 80s so uh, hey i like it i like horror but i don't like it when it's gory like i don't like it when it's too scary
0: this is like so, psychological horror, really.
1: Yeah, it's really like what I like is that feeling like, I, hey, I kind of want to stay up and turn the next page. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, it's like, well, what's going to happen next? And, exactly. um, you know, I don't know about you, but one of my favorite part of horror movies is talking to the TV so i'll be like i'll be like why are you going into the basement don't go into the basement oh my god you're such a dumbass you're going into the basement um and i really felt like that when i was writing jonathan i was like boy why are you doing why are you doing this but of course this is what you would do in this situation um so i don't know you know i think everything we all the art we we read or consume i really don't watch a lot of tv so it's like all of that i think just informs the art that we make mm-hmm. i don't know if we can separate it as much as people sort of think we can
0: hmm. mm-hmm. um interesting well i i wanted to quote you in a piece that you had written for LitHub. Um, oh <laughs> just to get your just to get I, want, I wanted to go deeper on it because it was the very last paragraph of this uh, when you're writing about uh, David Foster Wallace in I, I Net- like him
1: but it's problematic you know
0: men who don't know women on on learning the lessons of dick Lit, which is a great piece great piece I really, oh, I will thank link you. to it um, but you said in this final paragraph which really stood out to me understanding the difference between irony, empathy, cruelty and sincerity is often dependent on understanding the context, and context can only be gained in the passage of time. Like a chimera, our understanding of life and our relation to one another is constantly changing. And every decision we make, we further become ourselves, and often the self we become is not the self we ex- expect it to be. Which I thought really was kind of emblematic in, in a sense of Jonathan. But yeah, t- I don't know. Talk a little bit about kind of, I don't know, a little bit of the meaning behind it, and maybe what there wasn't one.
1: Yeah, Kevin, hey, I'm going to get a little deep again. Um, I, I personally, you know, I have a, uh, intense personality. Can you tell? (laughs) (laughs) And there was a period of my life when I really fought against it. And, um, you know, I really didn't like it. I was like, God, like walking into a room wearing the loudest clothing there, and I had just spent two hours trying my best to look normal. You know, it's it was like a struggle. And then I got into the room and then I was like, fuck, everyone's wearing neutrals again. Like, why? how have I not learned this lesson? Like, why am I the only person wearing red here? And I often sort of feel that way in life. But after my mom died, I sort of like lost my very meager ability to quote unquote fit in. I was just putting so much effort into being just trying to stay alive, you know, that I couldn't I couldn't fight against my own personality anymore. That I couldn't be self conscious in the way that I had been self conscious before my mom passed away. It's just like, yeah, sometimes I say inappropriate things and sometimes I laugh at the wrong moments or I don't always understand the context of the conversation, you know, and I jump in at a time when I really should have kept my mouth shut because I was trying to help and trying to help. Hey, it leads it leads you down the wrong path sometimes. Once I sort of started accepting who I was instead of fighting against who I was, things became a lot easier for me. But it almost was a grieving process. I don't know if you've gone through something like this, but, you know, you're growing up and when you're growing up, you wonder like, oh, who am I going to become? You know, what am I going to be like? And there are a lot of moments in your life where you behave in a way where you're disappointed with yourself afterwards. Now, for me, the big lesson was sort of like learning how to give myself grace. I was really hard on myself. And realizing that I had less control over my own life than I thought I did was a very freeing notion. Because I realized like all I have to do, what my job is, is to just come into every interaction and try my best in the moment. Try to be sincere. Try to be present. Try to be with another person. And if that is taken wrong or rubs people the wrong way. Hey, that's outside of my control because I I can only try my best. And some days my best is pretty bad. It's pretty big. And I'm sad about it, but that's okay. That's part of living. I sort of think, you know, we can get caught up in black and white thinking and all of the pieces, you know, it's, that piece was me struggling with the fact that, you know, I'm sitting in my office right now. I'm looking at my bookshelf where I have everything Mr. Foster Wallace has ever written. <laughs> and, you know, it's like, hey, I'm a, hey, you know, I, I like women. And like, I'm not a misogynist as far as I know. But like what I wanted to examine what about it was so interesting to me.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And sort of explore that shame. Because I think in his fiction, He was often ashamed of who he was, too. And he was really sort of grappling with that. The idea of finding who you are and trying to exist in resonance with who you are in your core really resonates with me. But I do think, for me, one of the biggest challenges was letting go of the notion that I necessarily got to control every, you know, uh, Mm -hmm. it's like... Hey, I like mint chocolate chip ice cream. That's embarrassing, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but I like it; it does something for me. Um, no. It's no use denying it, and I feel like that's kind of a metaphor for <laughs> sort of the challenges of of being a person.
0: Sure, and also being now a an acclaimed debut novelist, and so you have yeah. feet in both worlds.
1: I guess I've, I'm having a, I'm, I'm going to be totally honest. I'm struggling a little bit. Um, sometimes I, you know, I forget that all this stuff is public and like people are watching me and I say something that I'm like, Oh, that was a little too vulnerable. I shouldn't have said that, (laughs) but Mm -hmm. it's all a learning process. And right now I'm learning, um, while everybody is watching, no pressure, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs>
0: no it's it's really cool to, to hear you talk about uh the process and of course yeah just kind of be, as you said finding finding who you are but also finding resonance and, and being uh, accepting of of you know all the differences that we all
1: yeah have. and letting go and, of some of your expectations you know absolutely uh,
0: <laughs> well well thank you so much i could probably listen to you talk all afternoon <laughs> but I know that you have this world tour you going know, on. So of course, mm.
1: Oh my God.
0: It's exciting. An exciting time to catch you. And of course you're invited back. Uh, what are you working on now?
1: I am working on a new project. Um, I'm handwriting it and I'm not telling anybody anything about it. <laughs> All right. That's very cool. Uh,
0: okay. So you're a hand writer on the first draft.
1: Each novel seems a little different. Um, when I wrote, jonathan i didn't handwrite it uh but for this one i think i didn't want i wanted to be authentic. i, I didn't want this whole thing to go go to my head you know it's kind of like like i, I did my book launch last night and there was 150 people there and it sold oh. out that's Amazing. crazy i can't even conceive of that i'm still like in shock you know and <laughs> so cool. um it's really cool. And so I'm working on this novel while all this other stuff is happening, right? And I yeah. just really, really don't want to lose that vulnerability or that authenticity. So for this one, yeah. it seems like I need to sit down by myself in a little tiny, very poorly decorated room <laughs> and <laughs> you write my shitty handwriting onto a page and keep moving forward without, I really don't I really want to try to stay away from that uh, sort of crippling self-consciousness, and for right now, handwriting seems to be the answer to that for me.
0: Amazing. Well, we thank you for your time, your words, your wisdom. We know you got to get your next thing, um, but yeah, come back and wrap with us again in the future. Congrats on Jonathan Abernathy, you're kind. I'm going to connect to your home base, of course. There, I'll. Drop a link to mollymcgee.com. And uh, yeah, we appreciate it. (laughs) Thank
1: you so much. I had a great time chatting with you. I hope we get to hang in person soon.
0: 100%. Thanks so much for joining us for this file. And if you're a fan of the show, simply head over to writerfiles.fm for more. That's writerfiles.fm.